Patriots Monday and Friday. 93.7 WEIFM and HD1 Lawrence, Boston. We're always live on the free Odyssey app. Hour number two of the Rich Keefe Show, a.k.a. the John Lyons and Mike Hadlick Show. Same thing. Yeah, same thing. Yep. Two guys doing one guy's job. Yep. Don't tell our bosses that. Yeah. And Stiz. Ta-da! Let's call this the Stiz Show with John yeah, and Mike. I like I it. like that. Then if anything goes wrong, we blame Stiz. Right, yeah. exactly. Yeah, of course. We so, do that anyway. That's we've been right. talking a lot about the Patriots and their roster, where it's at. We are going to get to some Celtics later in this hour, some Red Sox next hour, why... No one seems to want to be their president of baseball operations. We're going to tell you about Mike Cadlick's Pizza Friday, too, yeah, we can which do is that a too. little thing we're going to get to at the end of the show. But we are going to stay Pat's trade deadline specific for this segment here coming up. But first, I do want to get to Joe in Randolph. Joe, you've been waiting. You're glad we're not, not just bashing Mac. Welcome into the program, Smart Joe. man, Joe. Yes, hi, gentlemen. I'm just calling in to uh, just compliment you and thank you very much for having an adult an intelligent radio show tonight. Uh-huh. It's a pleasure to listen. Appreciate I'm that, just Joe. sick and tired of everybody, all of the hosts, just killing Coach Belichick and Mac every time they open up the mic. What do these people expect? The, the Patriots to win the Super Bowl every year? Yes. I mean, let's be realistic. Everybody knows you're going to have ebbs and valleys and peaks and valleys. And like one of your callers mentioned, it's going to take about five years to rebuild. And you've got to do it one step at a time. And if Bill was coaching the 49ers, they'd be where they are. If Mac Jones were playing on the 49ers, I'm pretty sure they'd have a winning record as well. Thanks for the time, gentlemen. Keep up the good work. Pleasure to have you, Joe. And how about that adult and intelligent conversation? Stiz, we need to save that. Uh, clip if we could. I think he was listening to a different show. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he, he very well might have been. He called the wrong number. And, yeah. and look, and I think even Joe would probably acknowledge, like, Mac hasn't played well, and Belichick is responsible for this roster. Yep. And I think, and the other piece of this, too, is the actual coaching on the field. Like, I still think Belichick's one of the best coaches in the NFL, and I would not want him fired as head coach. But they have made some fundamental mistake, some pre-snap penalty mistakes, which are something that when I look at them, I say, that's a coaching that's issue. Coaching. Like, yeah. that's a, when you have multiple penalties to start off your first drive on offense, like that is a coaching issue. Well, that's one of the things I look at, too, with this team and the discipline and, like you said, those mental mistakes, not only to start games but at crucial periods throughout yeah. you know, a contest. And like I, I always thought that the Patriot way, the Belichick way, was exactly that, where – not only are we going to be better than you, but we're also going to outsmart you. So you are the one that messes up in a Which, critical moment. for 20 years they did. Exactly. Like, they went to a Super Bowl because D. Ford lined up offside right. in an AFC championship game. So what's like, wrong now? You know what it is? Yeah. It's Tom Brady's not here. Yeah, And, and I, I go to think that he's the one, really, who was, you know, if I'm not going to screw up, neither are you. And there's nobody in that locker room and nobody in that building anymore that can stand up there in front of everybody and be like, okay, we do it this way, and this is why. Like, you, there's no one to really gravitate towards anymore. Yeah, and I think that's fair. I mean, and, and not just Brady, but players of the stature of right. Ty Law and Rodney Harrison, but even the more recent Patriots, like like Joe uh, Devin McCourty, like guys like the Donta Hightower, like those guys aren't there anymore. So look, I, I think Belichick deserves blame. Sure. I think Mac Jones has played bad, mm-hmm. but I think when I look at what's wrong with this team, 
Offensive line is issue number one. I put Mac two, receivers at three, coaching probably at four. So the problem is, though, is Belichick's not going to take that back seat in the front office and continue coaching. Why would I mean, in fact, like, so you're going to have to move on from unless him he I don't... says, you know what? Hey, I'm here with my kids. I've been here 22 years. I'm, you know, 24 years. I'm I will take the back seat. I'm 70, you know, two now, whatever it is. Right. But otherwise, you're right. He's not going to. And I, who would? Like, I know, but like, I, I, what I'm saying yeah, so is, like, his yeah. ego's gonna, his ego's probably gonna get in the way there, and so you're gonna have to move on from him because, you know, who I forget what the call is, Steve, maybe who who was yeah. the guy before Steve? Uh, Joe, there was Joe and Fall, uh, Joe and Randolph. Oh, we have oh Steve so we have another Joe. In the yeah, we have actually. Let's go. Yeah, to let's go to Joe, Joe in the car. Disagrees with Joe from Randolph. Let's hope it's a different Joe. Yeah. Uh, Joe, welcome <laughs> in. You're on the air. What's up, guys? These callers that are calling this, especially this last guy. When he said, well, Mac Jones is not a Shannon fan. He, you know, he didn't have a winning record. No, he won't. He'd be one in five. Okay? Mac Jones blows. <laughs> when are these people going to realize it, man? How many more excuses do you want to give this guy? You've had a three-and-a-half-year sample already. And Belichick, Belichick, this guy's lost his mojo, man. The guy can't coach in this era now. You don't have Brady to protect him anymore. How can a coach like Belichick go foot a down when they have down foot and three at down twenty four points against New Orleans and put the ball at New Orleans? Come on, man! I don't disagree Dude, about the Belichick wake point. Wake up! Wake up! Belichick's done. Matt Jones belongs. Bill <laughs> Belichick belongs. Joe, so Joe, do you? Joe, you actually think Mac would be one in five on the San Francisco 49ers? I don't buy that. Yes, he's that bad. He's that bad. The guy can't throw the ball, man. What about his rookie this year, Joe? Did you watch his so rookie far. year? What could he not throw the ball his rookie year? Here what we happened? Go with this rookie year. Here well, we yeah, I mean the, the evidence is there. Year, listen, listen, that rookie year was so deceiving. That rookie year, the guy lost his last six, seven games, man. He's so. Come on, you guys. That, guy. that was just a right. Well, look, yeah. Joe, Joe I, first the of all, Joe. Sucks. And then it gets blown. And then it gets blown out. Yeah. He, rookie, the rookie year. Then he goes against Buffalo and they get blown out by 29. Come on, man. Joe, you I guys, love love the energy. I do love Joe. it. Joe in the car. Love you. Matt Jones is not the guy for the Pats. I'm telling you. That's all I got. Thanks, Joe. Appreciate the call. Wow. The guy sucks. The guy sucks. Get him out of here. <laughs> We're going to have to, like, start playing that when Stiz disagrees with our takes. Yeah. He's Get him gonna, out of there. I'll be like, hey, Stiz, what do you think of your live better the Rangers game as they're winning? And it's like, guy sucks. Get him out of here. Sucks. So I don't disagree, though, with the Belichick take. So here's my thing. It, like, I still think he is a really good coach. I don't know if I view him as the slam dunk best coach in the league like I did. And the right. other piece of this like the last time they won a Super Bowl, Mike, in 2018, they had the best coaching staff in the NFL. Right. Barnett, like you had McDaniel's running your offense, Brian Flores running your defense, Joe Judge, who's actually a decent special teams yeah. coach, not That's a quarterback why still coach, here. Right. running your special teams. But the Scarnecchia. assistants, you had Scarnecchia, you had Ivan Fierce, Chad O'Shea's coaching your receivers. Then you had Brandon Daly coaching your defensive line. Like you had, uh, I think Patrick Graham still might have been on the staff. Yeah. Like you had a loaded coaching staff now there's a lot of brain drain. i think i think belichick in 2018 was probably a little better than he is now mm-hmm. i think mcdaniel's better than bill o'brien Lo- i love gerard mayo i own his freaking jersey <laughs> i think brian flora is a better coach okay like i scarnecchia over adrian clem like the list goes on Vinny sunsiri or ivan fears like right, right. you know I, it, troy brown my all-time favorite patriot i think chad o'shea is a receivers coach 
better coach. They like so I think that that's an issue too because Bill can say, "Hey, we can't turn the ball over. We can't do this. We can't do that." But when the offensive line isn't also getting coached by a Hall of Fame level offensive line coach, like that's a difference too, right? right. Like when the linebackers aren't getting coached by Brian Flores, like that's a, an issue. So I, I do get his point there. I I would say Mac Jones would be better than one and five in San Francisco. I think they would be just but as good as they would are. Would Brock Purdy be any better here? I think is a fair question. I do think they probably. I don't think Brock one. Brock Purdy would would stink here. Yeah, maybe. Like they still might be bad, but maybe they'd be two and four or three and three. But what game like, does Brock Purdy change? Like maybe he doesn't throw that awful pick six against Philly, and I think that changes the game. I, like I think that's a different game. But really, you're right. I mean, what other game does because he's still going to be under constant pressure, right? Like, yeah, he take, doesn't have the pressure. He doesn't have the weapons. He doesn't have the play caller. Yeah, like he does and in here's San the Francisco. thing too, because I, I love the 49ers, and I know this is a Patriots show and right. a New England show, yeah. but look at the forty. Like you want to talk about roster building, the best left tackle in the NFL. One of the best wide receivers in the NFL. Yep. One of the best tight ends in the NFL. The best running back in Bar the none. NFL. Oh, by the way, the best pass rusher and the best middle linebacker in the NFL. <laughs> yep. Like they and one of the best offensive schemers and play callers in the NFL. Yep. Like these guys are all top three. How many guys on the Patriots right now, honestly, Mike, are top three at their position in the NFL? Zero. How many are top five? Zero. Yeah, uh, maybe one, maybe Matthew Judon. I, I would rusher. put Matthew Judon in the top ten. I yeah. don't know if I'd put him in the top five, but he's the one guy. Right. Whereas, I mean, forty nine, they have guys everywhere. Yep. And the other they're, one they're, I think of, and he's not top five, but he was fringe top ten at the time. Just three games in was Christian Gonzalez. Yeah, I would. And put they're Christian both on Gonzalez. IR. Right. But that's so you have two guys. <laughs> right. Top ten ish. Whereas we're talking about really exactly. good teams, and even just forget that. Look in your division. Josh Allen, top five quarterback in the league. Stephon Diggs, probably a top five receiver mm-hmm. in the league. Right. Like, I mean. You look at these guys, like they're t- that safety the Jets group in Buffalo. They have a, a running older. back in Brees Hall. They have a wide receiver in Garrett Wilson. They have an elite defense. Look at the like, the Dolphins. Like yeah. again, it's Dolphins. Two of probably the top ten receivers in the league. Like right. it's it's just totally different. Uh, let's go to Paul in Braintree. Bill's system no longer works, says Paul. Paul Agreed, Paul. In. What do you got? Well, you know, for, for many years, Bill Belichick, and then he was successful at it. Was successful bringing in. I don't want to use the term, but were other people's garbage bringing in players that no other player wants on a bargain instead of paying people. You know, Junior Seau, Brian Cox, things like that. I, I think he still thinks that that's the way to go. You have to pay money now. You can't do that anymore. He, he was very successful at bringing in players who people thought couldn't play anymore. They would come here, they'd buy into the, quote, Patriot way, and they'd, have, and they'd play pretty well. Those days are gone now. You, you can't do that. Now you've got to pay the money. You have to get top quality players. You can't bring in everybody else's cast offs and say, well, it worked in 2008. It'll work now. Those days are over. You Thanks can't for the run... call, Paul. And yeah, yeah thanks, sorry, Paul. Mike. Go ahead. No, you just you can't run that Patriot way the same exact way well, without the best player in the sport ever. And it's, and that it's simple. not just that. You have to like, adjust. Like Mike Vrabel's going into the Patriots Hall of Fame this weekend. Congratulations yep. to him. We're going to get to that later. Mike Vrabel was one of those guys. He was a cast off right. that they brought in. But that team also had multiple Hall of Famers. Right. Brady, Seymour, Ty Law, Laura Mullane, not a Hall of Famer, but great player. Like Rodney that team, probably should be. Like, right. that, like that team, even just the one he was brought into in 01. Like there's oh, multiple yeah, right. Hall of Famers. But, Jen, you're right. He's here for a while. You add in Rodney, you add in yeah, Will yeah, Fork, yeah. all these guys. Rodney Harrison, better career than Troy Palmalu, by the way. Ooh. But here's the thing. Like, you can do that when other guys are the best in the world at their position. Right. Or top, like I just mentioned, how many guys are in the Patriots are top five in the league at their positions? Maybe one. Right. 
Like, when, whereas when they did this for years and years, like you brought in Danny Woodhead to an offense that had Gronk and Hernandez and Brady right. and Welker. That's like, why he worked. Like, yeah. yeah, if he was the number one option, wouldn't be the same. Back to Shadron State like, or wherever he You went. brought yeah. in Malcolm Mitchell, and I know it was for one year, to an offense that had Gronkowski, Bennett, James White, Chris Hogan, Julian Edelman. Like, that's an Amendola. Like, that's why he popped at times, including in that Super Bowl. Exactly. Like, you got to have, like, the castoffs thing I think is valuable, especially with the economics of the league and the money that the top-tier guys get, but you have to have those top-tier guys for it to work. Exactly. It just doesn't, yeah. So we see some of you holding on. We'll get to you hopefully in our next segment. We are going to talk some Boston Celtics, the best team in town, Yes, the Boston Celtics. But first, we are going to trend with the great Stiz Bruno. The Greg Hill Show, weekdays 6 to 10. Now, here's what's trending on WEEI. Trending now. The Bruins are now 3-0 after beating the Sharks in San Jose during their first road trip. Marshan and James Van Riemsdyk scored back-to-back goals in the end of the first, and Pasternak goal in the second led to the B's 3-1 victory. The Bruins will stay on the road to take on the Kings tomorrow night. Puck drop at an annoying 10.30 p.m. The Celtics won their final preseason game last night in Charlotte against the Hornets, 127-99. Jalen Brown had 20 points, 4 rebounds, 1 assist. Celtics' regular season starts next Wednesday. They'll be in New York taking on the Knicks, tip-off at 7 p.m. And the Patriots take on the Bills on Sunday at Gillette Stadium, kickoff at 1 p.m. Three Patriots players have been listed as out. Those players are Riley Reef, Josh Uche, and Keon White. Another 16 players listed as questionable. Some of those names include Trent Brown, Hunter Henry, David Andrews, Jonathan Jones, and Ramondre Stevenson. Some playoff baseball happening tonight. Philly will take on the Diamondbacks tonight at 8.05. Philly currently leads that series 2-1. And the battle for Texas is underway right now. Right now, Texas is up 4-2 in the seventh. Looks like my bet is doing good. That series is currently tied at two games apiece. I'm Stiz. That's what's trending now on WEI and WEI.com. More Rich Keith Show coming up. It's the Rich Keefe Show on WEEI. WEEI. Save us as a favorite on the Odyssey app. And take Boston Sports Original everywhere you go. And we've all bought in. Um, but Joe has done a great job of, you know, kind of taking charge of, you know, doing things the way that, you know, how he wants it to go. And, you know, it's his team. He's a coach. Um, and it's been really cool to see that. Practice has been hard as shit. I ain't going to lie. Uh, we've been practicing a couple tour days, uh, but it's been good. That was Jason Tatum of the Boston Celtics, who their season opens up on October 25th. Mike, I think it's a pretty safe bet they're going to end October with more wins than the Patriots. Oh, yeah, for sure. Yeah, only two or three. The Bruins are already going to do that. They have three yep. wins. And even the Red Sox, they played one game in October. <laughs> they have more wins in October than the Patriots. Ridiculous. And the Patriots actually... They have to win these next two weeks just to surpass the Red Sox wins in October. I don't know if that's not good. Yeah, but I'm glad we get to talk Celtics now. I know because Patriots. Look, I love talking about the Patriots, but they are firmly in last place as far as teams in Boston and a team firmly in first place, the Boston Celtics. Oh yeah, this preseason, they've they're four and one in the preseason. They've only played their starters in four games though, all four wins. Yep, they've looked fantastic, Mike. And I know it's the preseason. But the vibe I have right now around the Celtics, and we're going to get into some more of the details, to me, this is the best Celtics team since the summer of 2007 with Garnett and Ray Allen coming in. I would agree. Um, And the one with, I would say, the most expectations as well. Yeah, that Kyrie-Gordon Hayward year, 
The, yeah, uh, Gordon okay. Haywood broke his leg. I, I would say they had championship maybe aspirations, sure. but Kevin Durant was still on the Warriors then. Correct. And it was the first year. So I would agree. I, I and, think probably the highest yeah. expectation. Well, and too, like, that was there, but it went away like that. So, like, yeah. as Five, soon... Two minutes in. Exactly. And so at that point, it was gone. Where This is going to last all season. You're right. They have... This is, a, I would say, the most well-rounded roster. Um, in the NBA. Two, yeah, two stars and then a fringe third in Porzingis. And then you have Drew Holiday as well. Um, look, they, like, they... It's almost. It almost feels like silly to even sit here and talk about them in October about, oh, well, are they going to be good or are they not going to be good? Like, this is a team that has to be the best in the NBA all year and then compete for a championship. And if they don't do that, then it's a bust. I don't even think compete for a championship. I think this is the time now. Yeah. You have to win it. And you you want to have some frustrated Celtics numbers here? Sure. Since the start of the 2016-17 season, the Celtics have the second most regular season wins. They also have the second most playoff wins <laughs> in the NBA Zero championships, and here's one. In that span, Mike, they've played in 112 playoff games. That is the most playoff games played in a seven-season span without a championship oh, in NBA history. Shout out to ESPN for some of those numbers. So they have been there, and they've been on the cusp. We've talked about all the Eastern Conference Finals. And if you think about it, right, like the years that they've had, t- let's just look at the years they've had Tatum and Brown. Yep. Okay, they're young guys. Okay, Gordon Hayward got hurt. Okay, Kyrie was a jerk. Okay, you had COVID. Yep. Okay, you got close. Robert Williams got hurt, and you ran into the Warriors. Now, no excuse. You have a two-time first-team All-NBA player in Tatum. You have a supermax guy in Brown, and you mentioned fringe third guy Porzingis last year played like a flat-out star. So last year, right, twenty-three points per game, eight rebounds a game, two and a half uh, assists per game. He shot thirty-eight and a half percent from three. But here's the thing: like his points were career high. His three-point percentage was second best, and his assist per game was the second best of his career. But if you want to go further, he had 113 defensive rating, which was better than Drew Holiday's, by the way. Let's go. His points per post-up, this is second second spectrum stats. Excuse me, I fumbled that. 1.29 points per post-up, the best number in the NBA. Love it. Pick-and-roll defender. You're going to have to do a lot of that with Giannis and Dame and maybe even Denver in the NBA Finals. He allowed .93 points per pick-and-roll defended. Fourth best in the NBA. So this guy, I would make the argument, the Celtics have never had a player like Kristaps Porzingis before. And I'm not telling you he's the best player. Like Bill Russell, Larry Bird, Kevin Garnett, Hall of Famers, better players than him. They have never had a guy like him that can shoot 38.5% from three, also lead the NBA in points per post-up, and is a great drop, pick, and roll defender as well. And he was doing all of that as a number one in, in Washington. Or, right. a, I guess, a no, number two. But, well, Beal was in and out yeah, of the lineup. Right. So, at worst, he was the two. Exactly. And so, he's doing that as a one and a two. And now, he comes in and is the third option. Like, you've seen it in these preseason games. He just dominates. Because yeah. they, they have, like... <laughs> he does. Again, the focus is on Tatum and Brown basically the entire time. Because those are your two best players. And then you have Porzingis as your third. It's, like, it's, it's going to be scary. And it's going to be super fun to watch. Yeah. And, I mean, we're talking about a guy in Tatum. He scored 30 points a game last year. Six in the NBA, right. and Jalen Brown, after the All-Star break, he averaged 27 points a game on 50% shooting. He was only, there was seven guys in the whole NBA yeah. that did that. Yeah. So, And I know, look, we saw him get cooked in the Eastern Conference Finals by Gabe Vincent. We saw him dribble the ball off his leg a bunch yep. of times in Game 7. Did you but, see the uh, the preseason video of them, too, when he was dribbling with his left hand? Yeah, but then I watched the one from the other day yeah. where he was actually getting layups with yeah, his left yeah, hand. Yeah. It made me a little happier For sure. Yeah. that one of him just dribbling, I was like, ooh, yep. ooh I don't know. Yeah. That's $300 like, what did you do? Yeah, what did you do this, pre- or this uh, yeah. 
But yeah, I think yeah. your point is right. Like, if you're an opposing team, you're like, okay, Tatum's a first-team All-NBA guy. Jalen Brown's a second-team All-NBA guy. These guys combined average 56 points a game. Like, this is we got this is a problem. Right. And then you have Porzingis coming in, who's just something that most teams in the NBA don't have. The Celtics have never had. Like, this is, to me, like, I know a lot that the cliche championship or bust, and usually I don't say that because it's so hard to win right. in, in any sport. This, to me, is really you win a championship or I think it's a failure. Unless there's some catastrophic injuries, knock on wood. Right. But if you're healthy, you need to win a championship yeah. or I think it's a, a massive disappointment. I, I would agree. And even last year with, you know, Tatum getting hurt in Game 7, then Brown has to take over and all that. Like, that, And he doesn't. And Malcolm happen. Brogdon's hurt, too, in right. Game 7. Like, I guess those are some excuses. But, I mean, when you come back from down 3-0 and the Derek White tip-in happens, it's like, how do you not win that Game 7? Yeah. And they do it to themselves again. So this is the year, right? Another year more of Jason Tatum turning into a superstar. Yeah, and every year, right? Like, we can – and let's just look at the last two years. Yep. Two years ago, they get to the NBA Finals. Last five minutes of the game in game four, you're winning, have a chance to go up 3-1 in the series. You blow that game. You lose three in a row. Yep. You can use the excuse of, oh, it's their first time in the NBA Finals and Robert Williams was hurt. Okay, I don't fully love that, but you could at least, I could see it. It was against the Warriors, a championship pedigree team. Yeah. That. Yep. And Steph Curry was a Finals MVP for a reason. He's probably a top five player all time. Right. Like, okay. Last year, there was no excuse for getting down 3-0. The problem is the excuse making comes in, Brogdon got hurt, and then Tatum rolled his ankle in right. Game 7 and got hurt. And if you don't have that happen, maybe they will. But now, like, let's say Tatum gets hurt in a Game 7. You have Porzingis right. and Drew Holiday and yep. Jalen Brown and Derek White. Like, even look, Tatum's the best player. He's one of, sure. He could win the MVP this year. Mm-hmm. But, like, he could get hurt, and you're still good enough to win playoff games. Right. That's how good this roster yeah. is. And that's why, to me, there is no excuses for them outside of health not winning a championship and we talked about Porzingis, Mike. I want to, like, Drew Holiday to me, because this was a last-minute thing. Like, last year, right yeah. before training camp started, they lost their head coach. This year, before training <laughs> right. camp starts, they add Drew Holiday. We're not, like, we're talking about a guy 19 points a game, mm-hmm. and he's going to be part of the best defensive backcourt in the NBA. Yeah. It's it's awesome. And it's, it's something where I wonder if... Milwaukee knew that Boston was going to trade for Drew Holiday if they would have ever made the Damian Lillard trade. It's a great question because if I'm Milwaukee, I'm better today than I was right. You know, six months ago because I have Dame Lillard. But, but the team we're trying to beat out just got that much is better. It's a lot too. better, right? Because, frankly, I thought Derek White was better than Marcus Smart last year. And okay, this is not yeah. to slander Marcus Smart. I just I thought Derek White was better, mm-hmm. and I think Drew Holiday's better. Sure. And their defensive rating, they both had a defensive rating of 112. Right. Like, we're talking about the best defensive backcourt in the NBA, and why didn't they win a championship the last five years? Mike, let me ask you a question. Sure. What was the Celtics' identity the last five years? The last five years? What's would, been their identity? Defense. Or if you want to say the last three years, what's been their identity? Defense. I disagree. You know what I think it is? What? Coming up short. Okay. That's been their identity. And yeah, the great defensive team, especially sure. under Adoka, but the chief piece of their identity has been coming up short. Right. In the bubble, you have leads in games one and two of the Eastern Conference Finals. Double-digit leads. Mm-hmm. And you lose both of those games, you lose the series. Right? 2021, you totally flame out against the Nets. Whatever, throw that one away. Sure. But the Warriors, I mentioned, you have a lead in Game 3 with a chance to go up 3-1. Oh, by the way, you also had a lead in Game 6 against Miami and you lost. Mm-hmm. You had a lead in Game 5 against Milwaukee and you lost. Like, And then this past year, down 0-3 to Miami and the way they lost those games, and then they come up short in yep. Game 7. And they, even, they climb all the way back and then they still find a way to come up Even the Philly series. Yep. Like, bad in game Should've five, never went to game seven. Game yep. one. Yeah, like the Hawks series, 
that game five performance yeah. is awful, right? They don't have DeJounte Murray. Do you lose that game? Right. But point is, the chief part of their identity to me the last five years has been coming up short for a variety of reasons, but that's been the identity. Drew Holiday and Porzingis to me are guys, and you can add in Tatum and Brown's maturity, but from the outside coming in, Drew Holiday, Porzingis, and Sam Cassell are guys that should stop that from happening yeah. because your crunch time offense should be a lot better because now instead of teams saying, yeah, we'll just let Marcus Smart shoot and we'll see what happens, now it's like, oh, crap, we have to go get Porzingis. Right. Oh, Drew Holiday's still a decent scorer. Like, oh, they brought Al Horford off the bench who can hit a big bucket. And I know he faded last year, but he can still hit buckets when he need- at times when he needs to. Like, now you have these built-in fail-safes, if you will, to what has haunted you the last five years. I'm kind of bummed out that we're off Twitch now because if you could see my face, you see you, you're talking me into the Celtics team and from covering this Patriots team that I have for the last six weeks, I am so excited now for this, this Celtics season. Like just rolling in, like you said, these fail safe options where, okay, you had your problems with, like you said, coming up short or you had your problems with, Jason Tatum going down and nobody can take over on offense and they, yeah. they figure out a way to defend it. Joe Missoula's an experience. Yeah, and it's like Missoula's not only a year, one year uh, more in the system, but he has, he brings in all these assistants with Charles Lee and Sam Cassell. And by the way, sorry to cut you off, Mike, yeah. but even that is kind of a fail-safe because if Missoula is bad, well, you have Sam Cassell, right. you have Jeff Van Gundy, you have Charles yeah. Lee. Like, you have three options that can be a coach, and I don't think that's going to happen, but if it does, you have those right. options. And let's say Missoula's good, now you have probably the best assistant coaching staff in the NBA. Not yep. that I'm an expert on NBA assistant <laughs> right, staff, yeah. but I can't think of a better one than that. Right. I, I mean, like, again, barring health, just and I felt the same way in the summer of 2007, mm-hmm. this team should win a championship if they stay healthy. Yeah, no, I agree. I'm with you. And I think uh, it's it's kind of the, it's the typical talk radio, right? Like, where do you find your flaw? Like, you got to find the flaws somewhere, and you, we've done it. They did it in this town with yeah. the Patriots for, you know, 15, 20 years where they're winning and they're 13 and three, but you still find a way to yeah. dig them with the Celtics team. It absolutely is that. But are you going to come up short in the end? Yeah. And, and, and the one thing I would say, too, if you want to like a real basketball concern, yeah. front court depth, because Porzingis hasn't. He yeah, played 65 okay. games last year, but he has had an injury history. And it, Al Horford's old. Right. You traded away Rob Williams. So are you going to have that front court depth? And that's something that. You do wonder, Peyton Pritchard got that extension. Yeah. I think Peyton Pritchard is an important part of this Celtics team in the regular season and that they need a guy to eat up minutes with that second unit right, because right, Holiday right. and White can't play all the time. But let's say Porzingis does get hurt or you're worried about Horford's age. He is a legit trade chip yeah. you can use for front court depth. Now, and he's have, on a relatively cheap deal. Like yes. Four years for 30 is nothing for yes, a guard. for a guy that could start on a lot of teams. And yeah. I'm not telling you'd be an elite starter, but right. a starting guard on a lot of NBA teams, yeah. that's a good deal. So... I have my eye on that contract, but who's the more impactful guy? I mean, is it Holiday and what he brings replacing Smart, or is it the guy in Porzingis that you really haven't had a guy like that before? Like, I think it's a great question, and and I want to know for you, like, who for you do you think it? it you win a championship, yeah. Tatum and Brown are leading the way, yeah, of course. But when you look at those two, like, who's the more impactful addition for you to win a championship? I think it's Holiday. Okay. I think you look at what they lost in Smart and brought back in Porzingis. I think at least in my head and for a lot of people's heads and fans' heads, it went to, okay, but you lost your leader. You lost your defensive identity. And I know Smart didn't – he would come up short and he would miss a shot here and there, but he was – you know, he had the green hair. He was the, the longest-tenured Celtic. He was the de facto captain. And for better or for worse, that's who that guy was. Um, he was the leader. Everyone gravitated towards him. Tatum, Brown, you can say whatever you want. Those guys liked him in the building. Sure. And so 
you lost that with the Porzingis trade. And it also felt like you traded for Porzingis, you got rid of Brogdon, you got rid of whatever. It was like, whatever, you still have Smart. And then overnight it happened and the whole thing changed and he had to lose Smart. That made it harder and you still lost that identity. Now... You get that right back with Holiday, and he's even better. He's a guy who's won a championship before, which is something Marcus Smart hasn't done. Probably a better defender than Marcus. Obviously a better offensive player than Marcus. And a guy who can come in here and command respect and be a leader just like Smart was. I know he hasn't been here as long, and I know that these guys don't know him yet. But um, talking about, again, that championship pedigree, a guy who's done it before, I think after bringing in Porzingis, you still were sort of missing that a little bit, and I think Holiday brings that to you all day. Yeah, and look, and this is not to slander Marcus Smart. Holiday's a better player than him. Correct. But I want to zero in on what you said. Holiday's won a championship before. Right. And I wonder if that's something, because they had a guy who won a championship before in Kyrie Irving, mm-hmm. and it did not work at all. Nope. And a lot of that's Kyrie's own flaws and how young the Jays were, and they were coming along. Remember, Jalen Brown, after one game, was like, yeah, it's not all the young guys. It's not all our fault. Like, yeah. There was real friction there. Now, I think Brown and Tatum have got there. Horford's got there. They didn't win, but they got there. They Okay, we know what it takes to get there, but Holiday knows what it takes to get over the hump and actually win. Right. Because if you're going to win a championship this year, you're going to have to either beat Phoenix or Denver or Golden State, probably in the finals. And maybe yeah. there'll be a mystery team come out, but you're going to have to beat one of those three. You're going to have to beat Milwaukee with Dame Lillard. Yep. You're probably going to have to beat the 76ers who, look, I have no faith in the 76ers. But I like Tyrese Maxey and Embiid's the MVP. Sure. You're still going to show. You got to worry about them. We right. saw in the second round. If you don't show up, you'll. They lost game one when Embiid didn't play. Yep. Like so, Forgot you got to show. Yeah. yeah. Right. Yeah. They're like, yeah, Embiid yeah. playing. They lost game one. Yeah. But like you, and then when they showed up against them in game two, they they blew their doors off. Right. Game seven, same thing. But you that have Jason to show- Tatum fifty-one piece in game right. seven. Right. And even like Cleveland is a tough team. Like Donovan Mitchell's been great. They have a nice young core there. They signed Max Struess as well. Like these are like you're going to have to beat these teams. And I think like Tatum and Brown and Porzingis and Horford and Derek White, they know how to beat some of these teams yeah. and get over the hump to an extent. But to fully get over it and to win a championship, I think it's so valuable to have guys that have won before. Sam Cassell yep. won three championships as a player, one of which in Boston on your coaching staff. Drew Holiday won a championship two years ago for that Milwaukee team. So to have those guys, I think, you can't really quantify that. Right. Like, that's not me saying, oh, you know, Porzingis has led the league in points per post-up, right? Like, that you – but having that, I think, is something that they have lacked the last few years. Yep. And I think it's going to end up being, in May and June, extremely valuable. Yeah, you got me excited for this team, John. I'm fired yeah. up. For sure. And you saw Tatum talking about how hard those practices right. were. And I'm interested, too, in the growth of Missoula. And I feel like we saw growth in Missoula throughout – the season. Remember early, he wouldn't take timeouts yep, at all. Yep. You know, he's going to save them all. The rotations were kind of like, oh, well, do we really want this guy in? When's Brogdon going to play? How's he going to fit? And he ended up winning sixth man of the year. But then we saw, I felt like Missoula kind of mature timeout-wise yep. in the playoffs. He started taking more, and then he went to that double big lineup against Philly. He went to it late, but he did eventually go to yep. it, and they won game six and seven. From what I have seen and what I've heard of Joe Missoula, I feel like he's ready to take that step forward. Mm-hmm. But I do wonder, is he feeling a little pressure with Sam Cassell and Charles Lee and Jeff Van Gundy kind of right there behind him? Yeah, I'm sure he does. But I'm also sure that, again, behind the scenes, the things we don't see, I'm sure there's some sort of understanding that, look, we trust you, we want you here, but we also know that you need this help. And yeah. I think Missoula is self-aware enough to understand that as well. 
Um, I watched the podcast actually with with Missoula. He went on the with JJ, JJ Reddick. Reddick. Oh, yeah, so, that was great. really good, and it made me like Missoula even more. And he talked about those timeouts and how like he didn't want to just take a timeout to take a timeout because this is what you're supposed to do. He wants to you know go into the timeout and know what we're going to do and this yeah. that and the other thing. And there were times where that's why he didn't take the timeouts. And so um, I think self awareness for Missoula is huge, and I think he has that and is starting to have it. Like sometimes he would go to the podium after the game. And it sounded like he was, you know, clueless and just yeah. was or not. We talk like, like Bill. Belichick. Yeah. Be like, nah, do you, we don't you like don't it do when Bill that. does it. Right. And he's at least won six champions. Exactly. Yeah. Um, but I think he, I think he is, you know, becoming self-aware and understands that he doesn't know what he doesn't know. And yeah. um, bringing those guys in, I think, you know, with Brad and you know everything that he has behind him, I think that that's only going to help him. I think he's probably looking forward to that as well. To again, I don't think he's gonna. I don't think he's going to crumble to the expectations because I do think that last year, coming into it two weeks before, he had no, yeah, like not even two weeks. I think it was like one week before camp. Yeah, whatever like, it no, was. But even worse, yeah, right. Like you come in and you don't have enough time to really do it. And I guess now you have the time and you have more time to think about it. But at the same time, he had it as worse as it probably possibly could last year, and they went to the Eastern Conference Final. So yeah, and I also think one thing that really stood out to me in that interview is when he said to J.J. Redick, it felt like last year at times we didn't have a curveball. Yeah. And I thought that was a yep. really, A, self-aware quote, but B, revealing in that maybe that's part of this Porzingis deal. Right. Like, that's a curveball. And then, of course, Drew Holiday, who came in, I think he was he came in after that interview was recorded, but right. another guy, curveball. Because now, hey, you can have two elite defensive guards who can score starting, or you can have one come off the bench. You can have Porzingis and Horford start. You can have one of them start. like Because you're going to have Brown and Tatum start, but around them you have so much flexibility. Not just starting lineups, but more importantly, closing lineups. Yeah. You have so much more flexibility there, and I thought that was a great quote from him. And we are actually going to get to a little bit more Celtics coming up next. We have our Friday four-pack of questions. I have four questions. Mike Cadlick has no idea, no idea what they are. He's going to answer them, though, right after this break. This is the Rich Keefe Show on Boston Sports Original, WEEI. Back here on the Rich Keefe Show, a.k.a. the John Lyons and Mike Cadlick Show, at least same for tonight. Yeah. yeah, same thing, of course. And it's now time for our Friday four-pack. I came up with four questions all across sports. I'm going to ask them to Mike. I'm going to ask them to Stiz, and we're going to see what they have to say. They have not seen these questions yet, so hopefully they we're don't. coming uh, in blind, Stiz. Yeah. Stevie Wonder. So <laughs> let's start with question number one. I'll start with Mike, and then we'll go to Stiz. Would you rather Mac Jones salvage his career or the Pats get a top three draft pick? Oh, man. Um, and when I say salvage his career, like he's good and he's the franchise guy. Salvage his career. Okay. I'm a Mac Jones guy. Okay. Stiz? Yeah, I think I would go salvage his career, too. I'm not completely in the camp of, Mac Jones sucks, he got to go. Yeah. I do think there's potential there. I think with the right wep- weapons, maybe a different coach, uh, things could be different for Mac Jones. So and, you're not in that Joe in the car camp? No. <laughs> oh, and that's, He's a bum! Yeah. And that salvaging career is, like you mentioned, Stiz, getting weapons, getting an offensive line. Like yeah. That's what's going to come with that. So I'd rather that than have to bond him out here and go for another guy. Yeah, so like if my choice are Drake May or Mac Jones salvages career and is good, I would lean towards Mac Jones being good because the other side of that is then the first round pick that you would have used on Drake May, you can then use on a really good receiver or a good tackle because even if Mac Jones salvages career 
and they go 500 or just under 500 this year, you're still going to have a top 15 pick. Right. So then you're going to get a really good player there. So I would lean that. Question number two. This weekend, Mike Vrabel and Dante Skarnecki are going into the Patriots Hall of Fame. What is your favorite memory of either both of them or your favorite memory of one of them? Stiz, I'll start with you. I am not qualified to answer <laughs> this question. Mike. All right. We'll get well, all right, then Stiz can piggyback onto mine because uh let's go with my favorite memory and I loved Vrabel, but I think Scar coming back after he originally retired, the offensive line wasn't great. He comes back and they win either one or two more Super two Bowls. More. And so sixteen and yeah, the fa- it, that just proved how great of an assistant coach he really was and how much of an impact he made on the on the Patriots team. Um obviously there's a ton of Vrabel ones and I'm sure you'll you'll get to one here, I think, but um, no, I think Scar coming back and bringing more two more titles here is number one. Yeah, for that's me. such a great memory for me. Uh, Mike Vrabel, we all remember Ty Law's interception in Super Bowl Thirty Six of Kurt Warner. Mike Vrabel forced that by having great pressure off the edge. Okay, on that. so that's probably my favorite because that to me, I and I was a little kid at the time. Of course, I believe the Patriots could win that Super Bowl against the Greatest oh, yeah. Show on Turf. But the moment Ty Law picked that pass off. I think it was when America started to believe, oh, they can win this game yeah. and they can be champions. And, yeah. of course, it took Brady heroics and Vinatieri heroics. But that moment, spearheaded by Vrabel, I think it was when America believed. I'll give Stiz one. Um, th- I'm answering for Stiz here. The 10 touchdown receptions in Vrabel's career. Yeah. All yeah. 10. Multiple Super Bowl Multiple touchdowns. Multiple Super Bowl touchdowns. 10 catches, 10 touchdowns as a linebacker. That's yeah. pretty awesome. One in Super Bowl 38. Yep. That is a pretty crazy uh, yeah. Yeah. yeah, Yeah. Hey, just every time he catches it. All right, question number three. For those that don't know, this is also a MassCAC football takeover <laughs> of WEEI. Mike played quarterback at Worcester State University. He I did. have spent most of my life, adult life, coaching football at Bridgewater State University. So, Stiz, I'm going to start with you. Did you play college athletics? I did not. Uh, I was asked politely to leave uh, college, <laughs> but I am nasty at Madden. Okay. There we go. We'll take that. So, do you have a favorite Madden memory? Uh, I don't know. It's just I'm just being, you know, obviously when you put a couple dollars on a game when you're there playing you with your buddies, yeah. it can get pretty exciting. And, of course, winning some close games like that is very exciting. And, Mike, my question for you as someone who played quarterback at Worcester State, uh-huh. I'm not going to ask you if you're better than Mac Jones. But what I am going to ask you, <laughs> he is. what I am going to ask you, though, Mike, is what do you miss, if anything, about playing college ball? Because not many people get the opportunity to do that. Oh, man. Okay. Um. I was a backup quarterback for most of my time. For so the record, I coached against Mike. We're yes. one and one against each other. So, wow. so yeah. So some of the the memories obviously include, yeah, and not not wishing injury upon anyone. But when <laughs> the starter would get hurt, and I would come in and be able to you know play football for the first time since high school. But honestly, I think the way my college career went, there was a ton of ups and downs. So the fact that like the players and the people around us, especially D three football, where it's I sometimes call it glorified high school football, and that's that's a way to you know down it because um, it's it's D three and it's it's that's definitely when it's for the love of the game. So I just think something I miss and something that was always fun was just like the group of seniors that we had together. Like yeah. some some of some of them still some of my best friends and you know some other guys who I haven't talked to in a while. But you know it's the group of guys. That's- yeah, for me when I think like coaching, I, I think of some of the wins obviously, but yeah. I think just as much about. Some of the guys I coached with, yep. some of the guys that played for us. I mean, just that's really, I mean, obviously, like I think of the wins, but that sometimes is the best memories. Right. Of, and not just the wins, but like winning with those guys. Exactly. I, I think yep. you, you know what I'm talking about yep. there. So, Mascac football takeover. Yeah. And maybe, uh, 
in our last segment tonight on Catholic Pizza Friday, we'll talk a little bit of MassCAC football. So if you're out there listening, tune Stay in for tuned. that. Yeah, of course. Because right? why talk about the Patriots when you can talk about, you know, Bridgewater State and exactly. UMass Dartmouth, who actually yeah. have winning records. Right. You know. Not the Lancers. New England teams. Yeah. Sorry. sorry <laughs> I wasn't going to say it. Question number four. We just spent 20 minutes ball washing the Boston Celtics. So, Stiz, I'm going to start with you. What are your expectations overall for the Boston Celtics this year? See, this is this is tough because I think there is a lot of pressure on the Celtics. But I'm, uh, to me, banner or bust. Yep. Okay, banner or bust. Mike, where are you? I agree. I mean, yeah. it's got to be. I mean, I think that's that's obvious here. They have to, they have to get over the hump now. They've been to, at that hump and they failed to get over it the last you know three four years here now, and it's it's the banner. They got to win it all. Yeah, I, I agree. I think we, we can make any excuse we want for why they didn't win it all two years ago, last year, three years ago, whenever. Now they have all the pieces, coaching staff yep. and roster wise. They've spent a bunch of money. They've made trades that they've needed to make. I, I think you win a championship. Or else I'm going to be really disappointed yeah. and think it's even if you get to Game Seven of the NBA Finals and somebody else hits a winning shot, I'm still going to walk away saying you should have won. You should have you should have guarded them hard. Yeah, should have yeah. had something. Or you yeah, should have right. won Game Four. You right. know, so I'm going to totally. walk away talking about something like that. That is our Friday four pack of questions. We got a minute or so here till our next break, and right. that should Mac Jones salvage his career or get a top three pick? I think, like to me, that's interesting because if he salvages his career. A, you're a lot better off as a franchise. Right. But I do wonder if there's a segment of people in the building and also in the region that would rather him salvage his career somewhere else. I kind of get that vibe. So I, my thing with Mac Jones personally is, like, I just think that um, the attitude and the moxie that he has and has brought, it rubs some people the wrong way. But there's, you know, when you are talking crap and trash talking and – pulling on guys' legs and, you know, doing the nut taps and all right. that kind like, of stuff. That's tough to defend. I do think it's tough to defend, but it's also kind of, in my opinion, hilarious when they're doing it and they're pretty good. Like Baker Mayfield in college at Oklahoma, when he was just like a baller and like yeah. just talking junk and whatever, like there's something about that where it's like, okay, it's kind of funny because you're also nasty at your yeah. position. So Richard you can, Sherman and the You Legion can get away boom, with it, like, right. Yeah. And so I think if Mac would come back and be able to sort of back up that attitude he has, and look, I don't think... You know, we can sit here and debate all day if the, some of the stuff he's done is dirty and not dirty. But I think for him to do that and have gone through all of this, everyone on these airwaves, on other airwaves across the across the city, to be talking about him the way we have, for him to come salvage it, I think would be pretty cool. Yeah, I think that would be a great story. Yeah. And But I do feel like there's a segment of people that would rather him salvage his career on, you know, the Houston Tech, well, not the Houston Texans with C.J. Stroud. Oakland but just, or Vegas, rather? Yeah, but another team. Yeah, yeah just rather him salvage his career somewhere else. Because be, they don't like him or because they want to see him do I it think outside so of Bill? I think they're so sick of all the mistakes. Yeah. And, and some of those dirty plays, but it's like you throw across your body twice against I Dallas, know. one yep. pick six. Like, and, and when you've had the greatest ever for 19 years, your perspe- perspective gets a yeah, little bit skewed. right, that's and, true. And I understand, but... Hey, Mike, we've made it through two hours. We have. I have not gotten any text from Ken Laird saying, get the hell out of the studio <laughs> and never come off. back. And as I say, whenever I don't get those texts, I view that as a positive. Of I don't course. think you've gotten any of those. I have not. So I'm sure gonna... Stiz is getting all of them on. I got a text that says you guys are doing another hour. Oh, Whoa. I know it. All right. I guess we'll do another hour. Yeah, no, we can it, do and you know what we have to talk about? Why does nobody oh, want to be the Red Sox president of baseball operations? Like, I might even turn down I was just going to say that. I wouldn't even take the job at this point. Nobody wants to be it, and I really want to dive into that, and we're going to do it right after this break.